0: Welcome, welcome to the first episode of The Breakout, a podcast all about dynasty, all about strategy, all about timing your windows, and all about understanding value, when to pull the trigger, when not to, and what you should be looking out for in the game that we all play. I'm your host, Abhi Gupta, with my co-host, Leo Xia, and uh, we're super excited to be here for our first episode um, of what we hope to be a very fruitful adventure.
1: Thanks, Abhi. We're two football fans. that have been playing Dynasty Fantasy Football for a while now. I've been playing for the last four years or so, and Abi recently joined. He's been playing for two years, and we're two guys that come from a pretty similar background. Uh, we're very analytically minded. Uh, we like discussing the strategy, watching the new players, um, and we've really found this gap in dynasty podcasts where a lot of people talked about player analytics and things but they didn't really talk about the actual dynasty strategy how to construct your roster how to time your wins so you actually capture that elusive championship because that's really why we play
0: so Leo, uh, in our second segment, uh, we're going to be diving into trades that we see in uh, the different dynasty leagues that we're part of. Um, I think trades are a really good way to understand value of players and, and uh, are a really good primer for roster construction uh, because, you know, with trades, uh, it, it's not necessarily that one side wins and another side loses. Um, every team is in a different state. Every team has different goals, different timelines. And so it's more than possible for a trade to have two winners. Um, and actually the best trades have two winners. Um, and, you know, using examples that we see in our leagues, uh, I think would be a really good place to start and, and talk about that valuation.
1: So, yeah, let's, let's put the trade on the screen right here. Uh, this is a 12-team half PPR Superflex tight end premium league, which in my mind is kind of the standard for dynasty leagues in the industry nowadays when Mm -hmm. you start up a dynasty league usually you want to start two quarterbacks you want to make sure the quarterback is the most important position and when you have a 12 team league that means that 24 there's a possibility for 24 quarterbacks to be playing in a given week and so it's very important to have a top tier quarterback to lead your team
0: Uh, Leo gave up Joe Burrow uh, in the inaugural uh, first year uh, of this league. Uh, And in return, he got A.J. Brown, the wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, uh, a first this year and a first next year. Um, Leo, you want to talk to me a little bit about why you shipped off Burrow so early in his career?
1: Man, it, it was a tough decision. I do like Joe Burrow as a player. Uh, but the way I constructed my roster going into this dynasty startup draft was I went a little bit QB heavy. I tried to take young quarterbacks in the attempt to trade some away and get value out of that. Which which guys did you take again? So I took uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, and Dwayne Haskins. The last one mm. didn't work out too well, but yeah (laughs) hopefully you know i i can recoup some value here sure and i i think the the best way to approach a dynasty startup draft is kind of feel out how the draft goes and then follow a strategy in the draft um so if you maybe if you're at the later ends of the end of the first round and you go wide receiver heavy then maybe you Build out your wide receiver core, and you trade away some of your wide receivers to get players like Joe Burrow.
0: Interesting. You know, as uh, as Bruce Lee used to say, "Be water." Uh, and, you know, I saw that a lot of teams were water uh, during our startup draft, where they were like, dang, you know, I'm I'm not the first pick. I don't get to pick Patrick Mahomes. I'm the 10th pick. I'm the 11th pick. But those teams actually are the ones who, who drafted the best for in terms of this year's performance, because the way that you construct your team informs the types of moves that you're going to make. Um, and I've seen that the best teams are the ones who don't fight the the water they're the ones who are water as bruce lee used to say um what does that mean why is Abby going all philosophical well really it's really a question of doing what is best given what you have and not fighting where you know you might be slotted or the luck that happens based on your week-to-week um you know luck you know did did your boom bust players boom or bust we don't know you got to kind of go based off of the information that you already have. And Brett, uh, the guy that you traded with, actually did a really good job of constructing his roster, given where he was in the draft. He drafted a lot of guys that are win now, you know, already in their prime kind of guys. Kenny Galladay, D-Hop, Melvin Gordon, guys who, you know, maybe five years down the line aren't you know top tier guys but they're giving him a window to perform now um and using that knowledge like you stacked up on quarterbacks uh, he stacked up on wide receivers and aj brown was one of these guys so i think actually it it made a lot of sense for him to give up a young asset for another here because the quarterback was the one where he didn't have a lot of depth if i remember correctly he has ben roethlisberger as his like top performing quarterback on his team
1: yeah, definitely when you think about your future down the line, it's nice to have the security of a young quarterback. When you have some someone like Ben Roethlisberger who gets injured often, uh, who's probably going to be retiring in the next couple of years, um, it kind of makes you a little nervous for future years down the line. When you have someone like Joe Burrow who can secure that position, and you know your top quarterbacks are usually scoring – anywhere between like 20 to 33% of the points on your team in a given week, this position is really important to lock down.
0: So given that, you know, the quarterback's important, but he did flip you, you know, an equivalent value in terms of a wide receiver, why did he tack on two more firsts?
1: Well, there's a little bit of a positional advantage that Joe Burrow provides you. Uh, if you think of a wide receiver's prime to be a couple of years, their entire career span is pro- Their like important career span is probably like three to four yeah. years versus a quarterback yeah. probably gives you production for the next 10 years. So there's a li- there's that gap there. Yeah. yeah. So. There's there's like two things that we can get into here. There's The first one is there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league right now. And when you have 12-team super flex, that means that there's a total of 24 being started mm-hmm. in any given week. And usually the bottom eight are not very strong quarterbacks. They're usually the replacement-level quarterbacks. So at, already you're at a disadvantage if you don't have the quarterbacks there um so that's one thing the positional like value the other thing is when you look at the lifespan of a quarterback versus the lifespan of a wide receiver in their prime a wide receiver will probably get you to three to four years three to five years of production the opposite of that is a quarterback who can get you 10 years of production uh, assuming like a high tier quarterback in this case, we we believe that Joe Burrow probably is. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, if you lock down Joe Burrow or someone like Patrick Holmes, you're getting 10 years of production. And by the time that A.J. Brown is not producing anymore, you're still getting value out of Joe Burrow. So let's say that all of the above are true, that... Joe Burrow has a longer lifespan, and he plays at a position that has more positional value than A.J. Brown. Well, then why wouldn't you just tack on a 2021 first instead? And, you know, A.J. Brown in 2021 first? That seems like a pretty good deal to me. I think in this situation, when you think about a player that you really, really like... For example, Joe Burrow. If you really, really like Joe Burrow, and the difference between getting Joe Burrow on your team and not having him there is a single first in the future, two years down the line, you know, add that first to make the trade go through and get your guy. I think a part of dynasty or just fantasy football in general, this could be any league that is severely underrated, Uh, because we try to get value out of each trade is you know you're going to be watching your guys week in week out perform getting your touchdowns you might be watching them on tv every single week you know it's fun to root for the players that you really really like and in this case if joe burrow is that guy you go out and you pay one extra first
0: for him I think it's really interesting to take a look at this too from the perspective of like what do those picks translate to? Because, you know, when you hear a first round pick, you hear, oh, Joe Burrow, he was a first round pick. You hear Tua, he was a first round pick. But you don't hear that Nikhil Harry was a first round pick. You don't hear that Sony Michelle was a first round pick. Um And it's important to note that, you know, the player that you're trading away is going to the team who you're getting the draft pick from. You're making that other team better by the assets that you're giving them away. So it's not necessarily true that the first you're going to get from that person is going to end up being a top three pick where you get, you know, the cream of the crop uh, in terms of college prospects. I mean, look, we took a look at the 2018 draft, right? And on average, uh, you were seeing Sony Michelle go within, I think it was like the top five, Um, and look at him now. I mean, he's not horrible, but he's, you know, fringe RB2, you know, he's a dude who is oft injured, who performs occasionally, I would argue his rookie year was the best. While the, the gem from that draft in terms of running backs was Nick Chubb, who was going around 110, 112, um, in, in these rookie drafts. So it's not necessarily true that just because you've got a top pick, you're getting the best dude in the draft. Um, I think I I was reading that the top three picks have a 33% hit rate on average. What does that mean? It means that of the first three picks in every draft, only one on average turns out to be a guy who sticks at the value of, you know, the top of that class. And That's really important to keep note of because when you trade for firsts, you are simply trading for you know, a lottery ticket, the ability to select someone who may hit in the future. Nothing is surefire. We thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be Emmett Smith and something in the first year. It's not turning out to be the case. And that's just the nature of the game that we play.
1: Yeah, totally true. And when you look at picks from the point of view of oh, they're a year down the line or they're two years down the line, 2021, 2022, you don't know what these picks are going to turn into. In Superflex leagues in particular, all the quarterbacks get drafted early in the draft. So the drop-off there, if you're looking for a quarterback, is pretty big. Um, it's hard to find quality quarterbacks that are not developmental prospects later in the first round of those
0: drafts that's really fair. I think it's really important too to note that a lot of rookies don't hit immediately either, right? So you're trading away Joe Burrow, right? And Joe Burrow was drafted this year, and unlike most rookies, he's actually showing you his value from like the third game onwards. While when you take a look at you know the 2021 first or the 2022 first that you're getting you might be getting Keaton Slovis in 2022 you might be getting you know Rashad Bateman who's a good receiver in 2021 but might take 2 to 3 years to break out the realization of the value of that pick might take several years and that just adds more to the to the point that when you're trading away a player for picks you're tra- you're adding uncertainty to your portfolio and that's fine, but you have to keep that in mind with, you know, the value that you're getting back.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, so I want to ask you this question then. When you go into a rookie draft or a super flex draft, let's say you don't, you mm-hmm. don't take that stud quarterback, you know, in the, in the 101, 102. And let's say you come out of your startup draft and you don't have, you know, you you didn't select a quarterback early. So now you're stuck with, you know, some average like Kirk Cousins style quarterbacks that are producing decently. They're around the 12, 15 range, um, but they're not the top tier quarterbacks every week. Do you think you can mm. win a dynasty championship without a stud QB?
0: Hmm. So I think this is a really interesting question because this really comes down to roster construction, right? What are the players what are the positions that you really emphasize um I could have a running back centered roster right I could have a team that has a Zeke and a Dalvin Cook and maybe I got lucky and I picked up Mike Davis off the waivers and my two quarterbacks are Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones two eh quarterbacks were gonna get me you know maybe 12 to 18 points a week it is more than possible for you to win with non-stud QBs. In fact, I've seen teams win pretty consistently by having one eh quarterback, but having a lot of top-tier talent in all the other positions and using that super flex position to actually just stick another running back in there. 100%
1: agree. You know, I think that's the beauty of the roster construction aspect is that you could totally win in any style you want to depending on the roster that you have i will say that it is a lot easier to win when you have a stud qb that's putting up you know 20 percent of the points a week 30 percent of the points per week because that affords your other maybe lesser positions you know if deandre hopkins doesn't score 20 points a week if he scores seven let's say then your quarterback still carries the team he's still providing valuable uh backup points that your other players are not putting up. Um mm. so it is still possible to win without a stud QB, it's just a lot harder.
0: Yeah, so you know, to, just to summarize, um this trade was a win-win for both teams based on their roster constructions and based on what they were trying to get out of the trade. I think both players um came out of this with better rosters. All right, Leo, let's switch to our other segment that we call the Commissioner's Corner, uh, where we talk about our dynasty leagues that we each run um, and some of the decisions that we've made in those leagues uh, and, and you know the outcomes that we are looking for with the setups or settings or construction um, or rules that we've put in place. So today's uh, segment is going to be on flex spots uh, in the starting rosters. And Leo, I believe in your league there are eight total roster spots one of them is a flex one of them is a super flex um while in my league there are 10 starting spots uh in in the starting roster uh but there are three flex spots and one super flex um why did you choose to go with just one flex spot
1: so actually when i first created this league there were no flex spots and last year we did a rule change to add a single flex spot in for wide receiver running back or tight end Um, and the reason why it's so hard to add many flex spots after your league has been created already is because your roster construction is really dictated by the actual starting lineup if you have more flex spots then you're gonna try to go for more depth versus if you have less flex spots you're a little more top-heavy because you start less players each week.
0: I think that's a really interesting point, Leo, because when I created my league, um, I used what I learned from your league in order to influence the roster construction of mine. Um, I saw that in our league, um, there you know were a lot of teams that had the top guys in a given year. Uh, I think the guy who won the league last year had Dak Prescott and Zeke and Julio, I think. Um, And, you know, if you have those three guys performing at their peak, you have such a high ceiling and a very, very high floor Um, versus, you know, those who had a lot of depth on their teams and a lot of boom bust players, they kind of had middling luck. And so, when I created my uh, my roster settings, I said, "You know what? let's increase the amount of variability because I want you to benefit for drafting and developing the right guys, but I don't want you to have a monopoly. I don't want you to have a dictatorship over you know the championship because you happen to get Dalvin Cook on a year where he's just like, yo, I'm gonna score twenty five touchdowns a game um." We want there to be a little bit more diversity in the scoring, and we want you to take chances. Um, And so the way that I created our roster was to influence roster construction so you focused on making sure that you have a little bit more depth and you could risk putting the boom-bust guys on your team.
1: So it's really interesting that you talk about those boom-bust guys because I feel like one of the things that is kind of a struggle each week is knowing which boom-bust guy to start you you know like if you have a single flex spot and you start Marquez Valdez Scantling you don't know if he's going to blow up or if someone else one of the other boom-bust guys on your bench is going to blow up and when you have those multiple flex spots it really gives you as a player versatility when it comes to the construction of your roster.
0: Yeah, I really think about this like, you know, that MVS example is really interesting because, you know, if you have a team, I think you have a team that has MVS and Nelson Aguilar, and neither of those guys are going to pop off every single week, but you know how much it hurts you when MVS scores, you know, two touchdowns and has 150 receiving yards and you left him on the bench. Um I think really, like, it's important to empower the people who are playing and give them more senses of, you know, hey, I feel like I have the opportunity to play the best guys. And the more optionality you give them, the better. I mean, ultimately speaking, MVS is a production guy, but he's not consistent. So, what is the point of him sitting on your bench if he's not going to play? You want to give people the option to take the guys that they wouldn't normally drop and put them in their lineup and i think that's where you know the added flex spots come in
1: i would split up guys on your bench as two different categories one is developmental prospects where you hope in the future they become studs two is those kind of boom bust guys that you just have as fill-ins on a week-to-week basis and so if you're waiting on the guys the players to become studs fine we'll, we'll just kind of cut them out of the equation for this but those other guys are still taking up those boom bust guys they're still taking up roster spots and you're not going to drop them because on any given week they could give you points and that's valuable when you have a flex spot so when you have multiple roster spots you're afforded the ability to start the guys that you normally wouldn't start
0: Hopefully this gives you a, you know interesting insight into what commissioners look at when they're trying to create their leagues. And if you're looking to create your own, some of the considerations that might influence how different teams operate, how they might create their rosters, how they might stash players, um, and all different things that influence the type of league that you ultimately want to have.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening to the first episode of The Breakout uh if you have any feedback please leave it in the comments below i'm sure there's things that we can improve for our first episode if you have any topics for the future such as trades or different disputes going on in your leagues feel free to leave those in the comments as well and we can do segments on those as well
0: thanks for listening everyone uh we'll see you next time hit the music